Yes. I sat there rooting for the young lady as she ran the obstacle course, looking at the upcoming one that was new, and she was going to be the first one to try it. I almost felt that she could do it, and I even held my breath as I watched her plunge into the water. She had failed. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me, your practical priestess of wisdom, as we get into why we need obstacles in our lives. I'll see you on the flip. The episode uh, in the A part, I was talking about watching this show that is a guilty pleasure of mine when I take time to catch up. And it usually comes on in the summers. And so um, I'm currently trying to catch up with it when I have some time. And it's um, a show around the world, but this particular part portion is called American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. And I love it because of the obstacle courses. I love cheering on each person and keeping hope that they're going to make it and being marveled at what the human body can do. And it got me to thinking about what makes a person want to have that kind of experience? Um, Because a lot of the people that come are, uh, I think, not necessarily on the extremes, but you can't pinpoint them. You have some where they had an epiphany or a life-changing situation. Then you have the traditional thrill seekers. But then you have those people that Malcolm Gladwell might call an outlier that are on the course. And so I like the cornucopia of un- uh unpredictableness. And so anyway, I'm watching it and I'm looking at all of these people and some of them wipe out real soon, but it's that rare underdog that manages to make it. And the announcers, they are such great hype men. They hype them up, they keep them going, and they make for an exciting duo on the sidelines. And so anyway, I'm watching it. And as you would know, a whistle smack appears in my conscious. And I'm like, oh, and so let's get into why we all need obstacles in our lives. Okay. All right. So what I'm going to be talking to you guys about today is a wisdom life skill, wisdom life advice that you can use uh, to help you get out of slumps, to help you keep going, to help you break biases and prejudices, and to even help you to um, change your life at will. And so I think it's really great. And I'm going to do something at the at the top. I'm going to just tell you the big wisdom smack up front, and then we're going to unpack it. How about that? Okay, cool. I'm imagining you guys saying yes in, in, my, in my mind. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But no, I'm not. Forgive me. Oh, that one is bad. I apologize. Yeah, I used to have a, a friend's mom who would always say, if you if you said, I'm sorry, she would say, I'm robot, pleased to meet you. And so, no, no, I'm not sorry. I just apologize. Okay. So anyway, back on track. The wisdom smack here is that obstacles in life are what help us to continue to have a sense of purpose of life. And that when we get to the point where there's too much comfortableness, we fall into depressive states, we fall into apathy, uh, a lack of concentration, and it just goes downhill from there. All right. So that's the big wisdom smack, but we're going to come back to it. And I'm going to start from where I am. And so 
Um, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a daunting task before you that you felt rocked you to the, to your core and you felt there is no way, just absolutely no way I'm going to get this done? Okay. I, if you're raising your hand like I am, you can put it down. So the next question is, did you proceed with it or did you retreat? And I'm going to ask that, proceed or retreat, even if you proceeded because you felt like you had the necessary skills or even if you retreated because you felt like you needed to get more resources. So just, you know, did you proceed or did you retreat? Okay. All right. So now that we've gone through that and I've got that hopefully set up in your mind, let's go into this whole obstacle course thing. For one, obstacle courses, and I'm I'm using that just broadly now. I'm not talking about a specific obstacle course that's been set up and pre-planned. I'm really just talking about the journey of life. And the obstacle courses that each one of us has, I believe in my limited knowledge right now, it, it's that these obstacle courses are never meant to stop you in your tracks. They are meant for you to continue to grow, continue to expand, continue to know, and continue to remember. All right. So let me tell you another quick little little myth, myth story, whatever you want to call it. And it has to do with um, ancient Egyptian mythology. And it deals with Aset and Asur. And you might know them from their Greek um, um, adopted names as Isis and Osiris. Okay, but I'm going to use Aset and Asur. Aset is uh, Isis, the female. Asur is her cohort, brother, well, you know, husband, whatever you want to call it. Um, Asur. Okay. So for some reason, I don't understand why they say Set is Asura's brother, but not Isis's brother. I mean, not Aset's brother, but you know, don't, don't get me wrong on that. So anyway, let me, let me start my story y'all. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Asura and Set, and uh, they have a a row. They, they just don't get along. They're, they're like opposites where um, Asura is all about light and power and illumination a set is all about um, the darkness and um, thought and uh, <laughs> chaos. Yeah. And so supposedly they have this fight. And in this fight, set some kind of way best Asur. And not only does he best him, he cuts his body up into pieces and flings them to the utter ends of the world. When Aset finds out that her love has been killed and dismantled by Set, she is heart-stricken. And so much so that she takes time to appeal to the great all. And you know what? I'm just going to say it here. They say that she did this because if Set was allowed to reign, then the land would be full of chaos and that supposedly her love for her mate, Asur, uh, was to help maintain the balance between the two. Now, in the Egyptian, they didn't have a concept of good and evil like we do. Um, but 
set, as you're probably figuring out now, would come into our understanding as a quote unquote devil or the devil, where um, Asur or Osiris would come into our understanding as like um, a godfather like figure. Okay, so thank you for staying with me on this. She's upset. Her love has been killed and dismembered. And so she uh, finds a way to learn the name, the great name of the great uh, God. And because she is one of the only people who learns the name of the great God, she is imbued with the power of um, alchemy, magic, and secrets. And so what she does is, is she sets out and she finds every piece of her mate and she starts to remember him. Now, to remember is to put back together the original. Now, for some reason, there is this little horrid little part (laughs) about this story um, that I'm kind of hesitant on telling, but I'm going to try to gloss over it and make it as um, palatable as possible. But it's supposedly said that... uh, she is not able to atta- uh, reattach his uh, genital member. That's the only piece you can't put back together. I don't know why uh, they decided to do that, but uh, some kind of way she is able to find a way. And I mean, that's another story. So I'm just going to say she's able to find a way for them to have a child who becomes um, Horace, uh, as we would know him as quote unquote the Christ child or Jesus or whatever. And uh, then her and uh, Asur bestow this, this power on him where he becomes the great redeemer and he fights set and wins and all this kind of stuff. Because by now that she's remembered her husband, but she can't attach everything to him. He now becomes the God uh, of the, um, of the underworld, believe it or not, where he is a bestower of grace and refuse, refuge for uh, those who have deceased and moved on. Okay. So anyway, I told you that story to get to the point about remembering and how these obstacles, based on what a set had to go through, she had to go and find all of these pieces of knowledge. And then they, she took these pieces and had to remember them for her to have something else. Now, the thing about obstacles and remembering is when you remember something, it's never, even though you try to make it the same as before, it's never going to be the same. And hopefully it is a progression to the next stage, to the next step. Now, let me hop back over to my story from the A part where I talked about American Ninja Warrior. And one of the things that I also noticed about these obstacle courses is that most of the competitors, no matter what city they compete in, because they have obstacles in each, different obstacles in each city, they all come. And I started trying to figure out, well, why are they always there? You know, besides trying to clap and be supportive. And I would look sometime at what they were doing, especially if, you know, they were just observing. A lot of times they are there so that they can remember the course for themselves and they can learn. Um, when there are there are new courses, I've noticed, and it might be an editing trick or whatever, but I've noticed that the newer people, the inexperienced or the quote unquote low ranking in, in whatever 
way they rank their warriors uh, go first and they wipe out. And, you know, I noticed that the all-stars and the big, big, you know, talent, they are still there clapping them on and watching as well. And what I realized was, is that these obstacles, whenever they see people going through them, they are learning through every mistake as well as through every success. So that by the time the experienced course runners go up and go through the obstacle, they have now successfully avoided every little trap that they noticed before. And then you can also see like a little evolution of how they deal with an obstacle. So like, for instance, say, for instance, there's this obstacle and they have to hop, hop, hop with their fingers. And then there is a reverse catch or whatever, depending on how some of the others have run it. Some of them will try to save their strength on other obstacles to get through them as fast as possible so they can devote time on the fourth little piece of this one obstacle to allow them to have longer grip strength so that they can reach out while still holding their body on the previous one to find purchase before moving. When everybody else has just tried to hop without success, you know, they learn through everybody's hops and different ways of trying to hop to a blind spot such that they know now conserve my energy, hold on, reach out, do this and do that. And it's an amazing process to watch because you can quickly see the turnaround of how they now adapt what they have observed to put into practice. Okay, so now I want to talk about a little bit about your observation skills. I'm actually working on a, a podcast about observation, you know, a little uh, mini training on things that you would want to do to up your observation game. Okay. Because there's a lot going on with observation. It just really is. It's like an endless well. So, but in, in this context of observation, I want to just say this, when you are running your race and you meet with an obstacle that looks unformidable. It it looks like, oh, there's no way. You have to start figuring out how things are done. That is one of the wisdom smacks that I got from uh, watching a few episodes of American Ninja Warrior is that these people on the sidelines are watching to figure out how things are done. And it's it's usually a puzzle to be cracked or solved. It is a code to be cracked. Um, there is a way, even when it looks like it's undoable, there is a way to overcome it, to do it. If you don't think so, just think about the fact that up until only about, what is it, 70 years ago? Not, not even 70. Uh, we didn't think that a person could run a four, uh, um, a four minute mile. But when one person did it, everybody started watching them. And uh, I said 80, I'm 40 years, excuse me. Everybody started watching them. And now little kids in high school can run a four minute mile. Not all of them, but you have some superstars that can do that. Because now that we have taken the knowledge of our observation and we have coupled that with figuring out how to do these things by watching what others have done and taking away all of those, don't do this. Um, And then remembering all of the stuff that uh, has gone before us, 
it helps us to advance. And so I want to make sure I say this part before um, I go too much further. If you can process, as you can probably see, that obstacles and why we need them in our lives, you can probably see that this is more like a game sport or a team sport. Because even though you have your own obstacle to deal with, you learn from other people's experience. My grandparents used to always tell me, you know, experience is experience. Even if it's not yours, learn from it. Don't make the, uh, your original mistakes. You don't have to make every mistake in your life just because you don't want to know what other people have done and you don't want to take their advice. And I say that here, that even when we have our own obstacles, don't be so haughty or don't be so depressed that you don't reach out to others to figure out or to ask or to let people know what you're going through because the way they've run their obstacle course could and should a lot of times help you to run your own, your run your own race. So, you know, take that into um, observation and consideration. All right. So, so far we have talked about um, remembering. We have talked about observation and we have um, talked about how to uh, put these things together. So now let's talk about the high barriers to entry. This is an obstacle that gets many, many people. In um, my, my parents' and grandparents' time, well, let me, let me just say, in my grandparents' time, going to college used to be a high barrier to entry because going to college and, and successfully getting some type of degree made you special. And it made you such that it put you in a different stratosphere of what you could do for a living and how much of a wage you could command. And because of that, this high barrier of, of um, learning curve to, to get, I mean, this high entry, excuse me, you guys, I'm conflating stuff before I'm ready. That meant that you had to compete for it and you had to go through, yeah, a lot of obstacles. And with that high barrier to entry, what they usually would do and continue to do even now as they as these these particular goals shift is there's usually a high learning curve i remember my grandmother who thank goodness um she was a brilliant woman and she got afforded the opportunity to go to school and uh, she didn't finish, but she did get into her second year of her associate's degree. And this was during World War II. So this was a long time ago. And for her to be able to achieve that, that was an amazing thing. And, and so I was just in awe of what she was able to do. Um, then my mom, you know, she made it through her undergrad and then there was this thing called a plus 30, you know, it's kind of like an add on just below a master's, but she achieved that. And then now with her children and most of us having master's level, you know, plus, you know, even one of us, you know, one of my siblings is, you know, on a doctor level, she instilled that in us. But with each new level, there was a high barrier to entry, whether it was an application fee or whether it was the strenuous tests that you had to take and continue to excel in the programs to advance and to get your marks and, and, and to be able to fulfill the requirements of the degree program. It just got higher and higher. And I remember my mom telling us things like, you know, she was like, you have to be willing to do what no one else wants to do or can do to have what no one else can have. 
And I was just like, okay. And so we went for it and we achieved it. And now that pendulum has shifted to where instead of the high barrier of entry being education, the high barrier of entry today, and let's just face it, is knowing how to generate income on your own. I'm just going to tell you guys, we need obstacles in our life because they help us to not only sustain and thrive, but they help us to excel, grow, and help others. And I was talking with one of my siblings last night, and he was um, talking to me about, you know, some of the stuff that he's needing to do with his company because it has outgrown its current location and all of the new stuff that is making him have to stretch, you know, because when you get to a certain um, level in your company and, and your employees and stuff, it makes it where um, it's a whole new game. And I, we were just talking and and he was talking about, yep, these obstacles. And it was just really good to have a sibling who understands what I do, you know, as a, a, a business owner as well. Um, and, but his, his, of course, is larger than mine. <laughs> and understanding all of this stuff that we're not forced to do, but if we don't do it, we are not going to be able to contain, I mean, not contain, but maintain our, our growth. So when you are looking at what you want to do, and when you are thinking, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I want to first tell you the wisdom is this. You are not going to have a smooth terrain. It is going to be filled with potholes, uh, pits, ambushes, obstacles, mountains, blockages. And then you're going to have to remember who you are. Yep, because when you gather all the pieces that make you, you're going to put them together and they're never going to be the same again, but you're going to be different because the person who started the race is not the person who finishes the race. The person who finishes the race is always more knowledgeable and wiser for having gone through those obstacles and learned how to do those. And then after that, you've got to make sure that you have good observatory skills. You got to not only learn from your own wisdom, but from the wisdom of others to figure out all of those things that you should not do. Remember, we've, we've talked many times about inversion strategy, where instead of looking for the goal, you look for mitigating the things that could go wrong and you have a higher percentage of being able to get your goal. That applies here too. And then we've just talked about the high barrier of entry. And with that comes a high learning curve. Now, this is another thing that I want to say about this high barrier of entry before I talk about the last piece and uh, that I want to talk about today. And with this high barrier of entry, you, ha- you need to understand that too many times people get in their in their feelings and they, they get turned around. And uh, w- the reason why I believe now is because people have a, um, a certain options, go-tos, uh, never fails that they like to rely on. And if you don't watch it, you will gather or assemble a small pot of options. And when those options don't work, you'll start to tell yourself, well, this is insurmountable. I can't do this. I mean, come on, let's face it. We all have. 
I mean, I remember going through my 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 schooling. A lot of my obstacles had to do deal with money. And I was like, this is just insurmountable. And I had to stretch and grow and understand that thing. Remember what I talked about? You have to figure out how things are done. You have to unlock that puzzle, figure out that code, because that's part of the obstacle. That's part of the training. It's part of it to look like it's unbeatable, to look like it's insurmountable. But we are able to do these things. We're able to figure out how stuff is done. We're able to watch others, learn from others to unlock the way we're going to go through that obstacle course, okay? And not fall in water. (laughs) And so I want to warn here that be careful because especially when you're in this part where you're facing the obstacle, especially when it's a high barrier to entry and it's something that you've never done before, yeah, be sure to remember. Um, Be sure to observe, be sure to understand um, that you have got to be a different person and understand that you have got to expand your options, uh, expand the way you consider something and expand past the point of feeling overwhelmed by too many options. That's another pitfall that a lot of people have. They don't even realize that sometimes when you're on your obstacle and and it doesn't seem like any help is coming from outside, you fall into desperation and even depression. And you know, a lot of times depression comes from a stagnation of options or an overwhelm from too many options when you have not equipped yourself to be able to expand to handle more options, okay? And so now in my last few minutes, I want to talk a little bit about this because a lot of people um, are not cognizant that this can trip you up and keep you from reaching your goals. And that is biases and prejudices. And I bring that up because if you are a person where, say, for instance, when your high barrier to entries come by, you retreat. Remember that first question I asked? Mm-hmm. It was a setup. I was coming back to it. <laughs> and you, so you re, you keep retreating. What ends up happening is, is that you limit your exposure and your experiences. And because you you go back to the baby pool, you go back to the obstacle course that's made for the kiddos and you think you're doing something because you you know when to hop, you know when to swerve, you, you think you've got this whole thing figured out. Lo and behold, you have handicapped yourself to the point where your fears look like friends. And that's the problem that a lot of people happen, um, have is that their own fears look like they're comforting friends and they keep them in this low-level obstacle course where if you see someone doing something that you're not doing, you tell them that's not possible, don't do that, and you think you're giving them sage wisdom. But all it is is this your fear speaking out. And you become biased, especially if you see someone who doesn't look like you. And when I say look like you, that could be physical, you know, any kind of whatever, station, status, whatever. And and you think, well, there's no way because I wasn't, I, I didn't do that. I didn't, you know, so definitely they're not supposed to do it. Be careful of that because it only hurts you. One of the issues that people don't understand is that if you are going to live and walk and run the race that is appointed for your life, that life is going to demand that you get outside of your comfort zone, whether it be uh, location-wise, idea-wise, 
understanding wise, education wise, or any of the other wises, you're going to have to get out and you're going to have to expand your exposure and expand your experiences. There is a reason why geographically here in the United States, you tend to have people who are more accepting of new experiences and new things around the coast. And it's because geographically the coast are where the first contacts to external sources happen. And so for those people to be able to survive and live on those coasts, they have to open up their understanding and their um, ability to, to handle those obstacles and those tensions and stresses. So they tend to be more open. Now that's not categorically, that's but for the most part. Whereas the more insular you get, People get more insulated. They can end up being able to choose that they only want to have people that have had the same type of experience and exposures as they do. They want to make sure that culturally they are quote unquote compatible where they tend to believe the same way and want the same things. And then that becomes their codex of right and wrong. And thus they don't realize that they have a huge amount of fear that is masquerading as a friend that makes them think that they can control their environments and thus control everybody's environments when they don't understand that what they're really doing is in, is uh, constructing invisible walls like the wall of China, where when, they, when they're forced to finally come out from behind their wall, they see that the environment has left them by eons ago. And that's why I wanted to make sure I gave this wisdom smack today because you need obstacles in your life. If you can't remember the last time you came up against a foe hindering you to what you wanted in life, then yeah, you might have this issue. If you cannot remember the last time you were in a place of total uncomfortableness where you had to figure out how things were done, you had to up your learning to be able to compete, and you had to step outside of your your comfort zone to consider people, places, things, and resources that you would have never considered before, then yeah, you probably are on the kitty course instead of the big people's course of your obstacles of life. I know that was harsh, but you got to deal with it. So guess what? Yep, my time is up. I sure do want to thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another uh, podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me, your practical priestess of wisdom tomorrow as we continue to dig into these wonderful Wisdom Smacks. Thank you so much. Check the show notes and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.